Romans 10, 9 says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Isn't that part of the gospel message? That, that our faith brings his righteousness onto our life. Thank you for joining us for this week's broadcast of A Word from the Lord. Today, Dr. Beach brings the second part in his teaching series, How Does God Love You? Today is part two, The Covenant with Abraham. Throughout human history, the Lord has reached out to the human race to express his desire for relationship, for intimacy, and to express his love for humankind. His covenants, which he made throughout history, reveal his love, they reveal his grace, they reveal his faithfulness. Now, in the East, to make covenant was not just a promise. It was a promise until death. If I don't keep it, then may God kill me, was the attitude. In biblical covenants, you may find many of these elements that I just shared, but God is always the one who initiates the covenant in biblical covenants. He's the one who initiates it. Now today we're looking at the covenant of Abraham. And so we're going to quickly walk through Genesis and and hopefully set the context for the passage that we heard today. In Genesis chapter 9, which we looked at last week, was the covenant of Noah. And immediately after that is a story about Noah who After he got out of the ark, he began to cultivate a vineyard, and there's a story there that he ended up having too much of the wine in the vineyard, and he got drunk. And then some other things happened, and what ended up happening out of that was Ham, one of his sons, got cursed. And then Shem received the blessing. And the importance of the blessing of Shem is a continuation of the promise that was given to Adam and Eve. In Genesis 3.15, and some of you will recognize this verse, that in her seed would be raised up a a God-man or Messiah, as the rabbis would interpret it, who would then crush the serpent, who was Satan. So we have this promise that in chapter 9, it's carried on to Noah, and now Noah blesses Shem, meaning that this blessing would be upon him and upon his family and his descendants. Then in Genesis chapter 10, you have the descendants of Noah's sons, Shem, Japheth, and Ham. And then in Genesis chapter 11, is the story of Babel and the imposition of many languages upon the earth. And then there's a more detailed description of Noah's son, Shem, until you get to verse 26. And in verse 26, there's a man there called Terah and his son, Abram. And it says that they're found in this city of the Chaldeans called Ur. Now, Terah and Abram were dedicated servants of what was called the moon god and his wife. Tradition has it that Terah, Abram's father, was an idol maker, and he sold little replicas of the moon god and his wife. Every evening, all the people in the town would go outside the city gates to the temple, and then they would worship the moon, and the stars. It was in this atmosphere that the God who made the moon and the stars and who made covenant with Noah appears to Abram. And we find this in chapter 12, beginning with verse 1. The Lord said to Abram, Leave your country, leave your people and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. 
I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram and his wife Sarai and his nephew Lot, they leave Canaan, and Abram becomes this great sheikh. And he moves throughout the land, and he begins to develop a great reputation, and he's respected. But he's still without child. He doesn't have a child. And if he doesn't have a child, then how can he become a great nation if he doesn't have children? He can't. So Abram decides to come up with his own plan. And in Genesis chapter 15, Abram tells the Lord his plan to basically adopt his servant. He had a servant who worked for him. His name was Eliezer. And he was going to make him the heir. But God breaks in, and in a vision, he tells Abram that Eliezer is not to be his heir, but that he would have a son. Look at Genesis 15, verse 4. Then the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the heavens and count the stars. Remember, he was once worshiping those stars. If indeed you can count them so shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. So then they begin to make covenant. And it, this making covenant actually continues all the way to chapter 22. We're told in this chapter that Abram brings a ram and a goat and two birds to sacrifice. And the text goes on to say that Abram falls into a sleep and that the Lord appears to him in a vision or some kind of dream. And in verse 17, we're told that it's God who ends up making the sacrifice, not Abram. And I think that's a picture for us, that it was total grace. It was a God thing. Abram didn't have to do a thing. Genesis 16, 10 years go by, still no child. And the covenant cannot be filled without descendants. So Abram and his wife decide to take matters into their own hands again. And this time they don't tell the Lord. Sarai basically offers Abram her servant, her maidservant. Her name was Hagar. And says, why don't y'all get together and create a family? And so Ishmael was born. Then in Genesis chapter 17, another 13 years go by, and Ishmael is 13 years old, and Abraham has been living all this time thinking that Ishmael is the son of the blessing. And then God appears to Abram again. In chapter 17, verse 4, we see the name change. As for me, the Lord says... This is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. Abram meant exalted father. Abraham meant father of many nations. And what God does is put his own name right there in the middle of Abraham's name and gives him a new name. And then we have the specifics of the covenant, starting in verse 6. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. 
I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for all generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan where you are now a foreigner, I will give as an everlasting possession to you and to your descendants after you and I will be their God. So he gives the land to Abraham and his descendants. He says it's an everlasting covenant. And he says all the people of the earth are going to be blessed through him. Referring back to chapter 12, verse 3. And then we have the sign of the covenant. Verse 10. This is my covenant with you, the Lord said, and your descendants after you. The covenant you are to keep, every male among you shall be circumcised. You are to undergo circumcision, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and you. For the generations to come, every male among you who is eight days old must be circumcised. So the sign of the covenant, of this covenant, was circumcision. And then in verse 15, we see that then God speaks about Sarai and changes her name. God said to Abraham, ask for Sarai, your wife. You are no longer to call her Sarah. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. So God puts his name in the middle of hers, Sarah to Sarah. And her new name means princess. And then it's very interesting. I love how the scripture does this, shows us just the humanity side of people. In verse 17, we see that Abraham laughs. Verse 17, Abraham fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? And he laughs. And then the next verse, he pleads for Ishmael's case. Remember, all this time, Ishmael had been his son. He's 13 years old. And he thought he was the son of blessing. Verse 18, and Abraham said to God, if only Ishmael might live under your blessing. And then God answers him. Yes, but your wife, Sarah, will bear a son. And you will call him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard you. I will surely bless him. I will make him fruitful and will greatly increase his numbers. He will be the father of 12 rulers and I will make him into a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you by this time next year. It's kind of a side note. It's interesting that even the problems today in the Middle East between the Arabs and the Jews can all be traced right back here between Isaac and Ishmael. Well, the covenant process continues. And in Genesis chapter 18, we have the covenant meal. And in this chapter, we find that the Lord appears to Abram in three men. And that's another little interesting twist to this, that three men come, but they speak as the Lord. It talks about three men, but then it's the Lord speaking. So Abraham prepares a meal, and in this story, the Lord asks, 
where's Sarah? And of course, she was in the tent and she overheard about her having, uh, getting ready to have a baby and she starts laughing. Evidently, her and Abraham had some communication issues because evidently she had not heard this yet. And she starts laughing and the response is, is anything too difficult for the Lord? And then from Genesis chapter 18, verse 16 to chapter 19, verse 38, we have the story of Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah. And then in chapter 21, we have the birth of Isaac. And they name him Isaac, which literally means he laughs as a takeoff on his mama and daddy. He was circumcised on the eighth day. Remember, that's the sign of the covenant. And all of that is the setting for the lesson we heard earlier from Genesis 22. All of that is a prelude to this final part of the covenant. Now, you remember the story. God comes to Abraham and says, I want you to take your son. And by this time, we probably think he was at least eight, maybe 12 years old. Your only son, and we want, I want you to go sacrifice him over on Mount Moriah, which is about three or four days journey. And so Abraham gets some of his servants and they load up the donkeys or the camels, whatever they were, and they, they truck over near Mount Moriah. And they unload the equipment that they're going to need to prepare for the sacrifice. And he leaves the servants there and just he and Isaac are going. And Isaac wises up to this. He's smart enough to realize something's going on. And he says in Genesis 22, verse 7, The fire and the wood are here, Dad, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? In verse 8, Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. I think that's a prelude of Abraham's faith, that he knew God would provide. So they go up on the mountain. Abraham ties up his only son, bounds him, puts him on, on the altar, getting ready to slay him with a knife to sacrifice him. And God calls from heaven and stays his hand. And right over there in the thicket, in the bushes, a ram. And Abraham sacrifices that ram. And he calls the place Jehovah-Jireh. The Lord who provides. And he says on this mountain, the Lord will provide, which is also another prophetic word. Somebody who says, why would God do something like this? I've heard somebody say, my God would never ask somebody to do something like this. Some others say, well, it's a demonstration that God doesn't approve of human sacrifice. And he wanted to walk through the process. Well, in my humble opinion, I think it's the consummation of the covenant. You see, Isaac represented the covenant and the promise. But it's a blood covenant, which all God's covenants are, and there must be the shedding of blood. Isaac didn't belong to Abraham. He belonged to God. Remember, he was a miracle baby. So Abraham was tested, and he proved faithful. He passed the test. And God provided the sacrifice again. As in all God's covenants, God's grace shines forth. He provided what was needed. Why do I think it was the consummation of the covenant? Look at verse 16. The Lord says, I swear by myself that because you have done this and not withheld your son, your only son, 
I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. He reaffirms the covenant. So what's the significance to us of the covenant with Abraham? I think there's several things to call our attention to. First, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. In other words, he had faith, and because of his faith, God made him righteous. Isn't that what the gospel is all about? We believe, and God's righteousness is put on us, that we're able to receive it. John 3.16, which most of you can quote, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Romans 10.9 says, If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Isn't that part of the gospel message? That, that our faith brings his righteousness Under our life, to use a theological term which we used last week, that we are justified, that God views you and me justified, never sinned. He views us through the cross because of faith. In Hebrews 11, 6, it says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. This was a covenant of faith. Abraham believed and it was accredited to him as righteousness. The new covenant with Jesus is also a covenant of faith. We believe and we are made righteous before God. The second thing is this event foreshadows the new covenant of Jesus the Messiah, which is what we're about, the new covenant. Isaac was considered the first legitimate son of Abraham. Jesus is considered the last son of Abraham. And many considered him illegitimate. Isaac carried wood to Mount Moriah. Jesus carried the cross to Mount Calvary, which actually is on the same mountain range. And another little side note, it's interesting that when Jesus was on the cross, he could look across and see the temple, which was built right on top of the spot where Abraham offered Isaac. Isaac voluntarily went to that altar. Jesus voluntarily went to the cross. Isaac lived that the promised blessing might be fulfilled. Jesus died that the promised blessing might be fulfilled. Abraham offered his son as a sacrifice. God gave his son as a sacrifice. Abraham said that God would provide the lamb. Jesus was the lamb for the sacrifice. It foreshadows the new covenant with Jesus. A third thing is the covenant is still being fulfilled today. In a physical sense, with the Arabs and the Jews, they both count Abraham as their father. In a spiritual sense, it's being fulfilled with believers in Jesus. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3, if you are in Christ, you are considered Abraham's offspring and an heir according to the promise. 
Galatians chapter 3, verse 14. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles, that's you and me, through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. And then he goes on and elaborates about this a little bit. Brothers, let us take an example from everyday life. Just as no one can set aside or add to a human covenant that has been duly established, so it is in this case. The promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. The scripture does not say, and to his seeds, meaning many people, but to your seed, meaning one person who is Christ. What I mean is this. The law introduced 430 years later does not set aside the covenant previously established by God and thus do away with the promise. If the inheritance depends on the law, then it no longer depends on a promise. But God in his grace gave it to Abraham through a promise. Then verse 29, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. You see, because of who we are in Jesus, because we've received him as our Lord and Savior, because we have a relationship with him, that promise is ours as well, because we're in Jesus. God wants to bless all human beings. And so he's made these covenants with people throughout the years. With Abraham, he made this covenant expressing his love and expressing his desire of relationship through the Jewish people to all the people of the earth. And it culminates in the person of Jesus and faith in him. And this is an interesting twist. Because after all, the God who made covenant with Abraham is Jesus. It's Jesus who made the covenant with Abraham in the first place. Let's pray together. Father of light, in you is found no shadow of change, but only the fullness of life. Open our hearts to your covenantal promises and free us from the things of this world that prevent us, Lord, from living into your calling to restore us. Restore us, we ask, through the calls to repentance and a change of heart so that each of us may take up your cross and follow you faithfully. This we ask in the mighty name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. That was Dr. Beach with today's message. For more information on this message and this ministry, please visit awordfromthelord.org. There you will find today's message and previously aired messages, where you can listen to them again and share them with friends and family. Awordfromthelord.org has audio archives of Foley Beach's one-minute radio feature and much more. So visit awordfromthelord.org for audio, articles, and information about the ministry. You can find A Word from the Lord on Facebook, and be sure to click the Like button to follow our feed on Facebook. You'll want to be sure to visit Foley's blog at bishopfoleybeach.blogspot.com. 
On the blog, you can read the many articles posted by Dr. Beach. Many of these blog entries are excerpts and full articles published in local publications. You can also follow Foley on Twitter. His Twitter address is twitter.com at Foley Beach. If you have any comments or questions about the program, you can contact Dr. Beach by email at foleybeach at a word from the Lord.org. Again, his email is foleybeach at a word from the Lord.org. You can contact us by mail. Our mailing address is P.O. Box 636, Monroe, Georgia 30655. Our mailing address again is P.O. Box 636, Monroe, Georgia 30655. Whether you send us an email or write to us, we'd love to hear from you. A word from the Lord is made possible by God's grace through the continued prayers and loving financial support from you. And we thank you for this opportunity to spread the hope of the gospel of Christ through this ministry. Join us again next time for the next broadcast of A Word from the Lord. For Dr. Beach and everyone here at A Word from the Lord, it is our prayer that you would be seeking a word from the Lord.